Resporting. It's Jen Sater home. Brent Ford is with me. Eddie Williams will join us shortly on the AFL. And we'll speak to Nathan Letts about cricket. And, wow, what a week. <laughs> what a week. Raiders are back in training as of today. They've used their new venue today, which... Um, I know. How ex- how exciting for the Raiders to get back into to training. Um, Don Furness speaking earlier in the week, talking about, you know, um, I think at, at one point there was three staff working in the, the building and they had to uh, put in place some social distancing rules, which was quite funny. I think it was Don Ricky and, and one of the, <laughs> the player welfare managers. But, I mean, it must have been a long time and itching to, to get back into it. I mean, you get this new building and you get all excited to move across. And I think it was the day that they moved, all the staff moved everything, then they were told, oh, no, sorry, the game is uh, going to be going away for a period of time <laughs> yeah it's yeah it's not been probably should have saved this to the end because all the rest of what we're going to talk about today isn't I suppose so crash hot but I saw Jack White and did you see he'd say this afternoon that he trained this afternoon he couldn't stand up afterwards <laughs> well I wouldn't so. be surprised at the moment there's like a running challenge and I'm fair sure I'm running five kilometers faster than Josh Papali I don't think that'll be the case by the end of the season but <laughs> Josh ran that 5k's the other day he reckons it was the slowest 5k's he's ever run but it's an interesting point you make because I think uh, Fox League's actually taken a pot shot at Latrell Mitchell saying he failed to keep up at training and John Bateman piped up and he's becoming this he's almost like a a Marvel superhero across the league the way that he sort of chimes in and and makes these sort of comments and he basically said to Fox League oh what like every other player that went back to training today struggled to keep up he and I mean he's someone who's had the shoulder injury and I mean he doesn't look all all too shabby I mean he ran a 5k the other day in about 22 and a, and a half minutes so you know for someone who's had shoulder uh, concerns he seems to be fit and firing which is promising for the Raiders for 28th of May if he can get back yeah in fact everything's looking pretty good for the Raiders including the news that Jordan Rapana is back <laughs> well this was another thing I mean I saw him playing golf on Instagram with Elliot Whitehead <laughs> and I thought surely there's a deal going down sometime and then lo and behold I think it was an hour after that story went up on Instagram there was like a celebration and he's like, oh, finally, mate, you're back playing with us. And he did like a story with Jordan Rapano who found out, I think, on the golf course that he basically was welcomed back uh, to the Raiders. But, I mean, you've got to feel for someone like Bailey Simonson because it looks like he's probably going to be the one on the outer. But I mean, we saw towards the end of last year that Ricky Stewart did try something with the utility on the bench. We saw Oldfield in round one and two come off the bench in that 17 jersey so maybe Bailey Simonson steps into that role as the utility oh and look so much can happen so much can happen that'll mean that Bailey may get unexpected chances anyway well this is this is what's happening I mean the Knights there's a a kid I can't remember his name off the top of my head but um Caelan Ponger is out injured Mm. and purely because this kid came back to training and ran really good time trial then the Knights have just gone well you might feel the the fullback void in a couple of weeks how good's that? That's what it's all about. I really enjoyed Jared Croker taking a swipe at Jordan Rapana coming back. They did see that. He he kind of said, mate, yeah, you had a real good career in uh, rugby there. How many games was it? None? None, <laughs> none, none, none of them. And, I mean, it's really good that the NRL relaxed the rules on allowing the Raiders to sign because, I mean, at the end of the day, he didn't actually end up playing. And, you know what, I don't think... I mean, it's a really difficult situation that the NRL put themselves in when they said that 
the Raiders weren't going to be able to sign him because they essentially said that Jordan was going for a payday. But, I mean, who isn't? I mean, if it meant that you could have one of the best wingers in the in the game come back at some point during the season to play them. Why why are we laughing at this? I mean, at one point during this crazy time off, people were talking about Quade Cooper coming in and playing rugby league and that seemed to be fine to throw money at Quade Cooper. But then having someone like Jordan Rapana comes back is taboo and it wasn't going to be allowed. And I'm so glad he didn't link up with the Tigers because that may have been a a devastating right edge for the the Tigers for sure. Yeah, that would have been indeed. I'm glad too. One of the other things we're going to be doing today, we finished our top fives of all time last week and we are going to today go through our number one rugby league sports person. Did I say modern day when I discussed this with you before? You said it could be anyone. Okay, you could, you said it could be, it may be, Clive Churchill could be in the in the running here. I mean, he does have the grand final medal uh, named after him or Dally Dally M could be in the running. I mean, the league medal is named after Dally M, but I've gone pretty modern with my player. Oh, pretty modern. That's interesting. Very modern. Like only recently. I wondered if we all would choose the same person. I initially did it and I thought I'm going to be fine. And then I thought, no, everyone's going to choose the same person. So it'll be interesting to see. Well, I enjoy the the conversations and arguments around who is the the best of all time. There seems to be a really good Twitter argument at the moment of whether Andrew Johns should get a a statue at the front of the Newcastle Knights stadium. And most people from Newcastle would say, yeah, that's probably a good idea. But then Queenslanders will sometimes rib in to the conversation and have a joke and say, well, you know, the greatest half that New South Wales ever produced was actually he he started his career at number nine for New South Wales and was moved around the place. So was he really the, the best ever New South Wales half? Well, maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. Is he going to be my number one player? Maybe, but probably not. <laughs> yeah, I was I was not getting a real warm vibe there happening. No. Uh, that would be also interesting is to choose your, and maybe we'll do this next week as a, you support the Blues like myself, yeah? I'm on the fence. See, cause, oh, okay. see, this is something that's really controversial. I get really upset when people go, the ACT is part of New South Wales. Well, it's an island within New South Wales. <laughs> it's an island? It's an island within New South Wales. You know, oh, we have our we have our own we have our own legislative assembly. We have our own licenses. We have different rules. We have our uh, own rugby league team. Exactly. I think Nick Kotrick, who is a born and bred Canberran, should have been given the opportunity. Josh Dugan should have been given the opportunity to pick which state they wanted to play for. Because, well, technically, the ACT is not New South Wales. It's mm. within New South Wales, but it isn't. So, you know, I have sort of, I just enjoy origin. I am partial to Queenslanders because I like warmer weather, despite being Canberra born and bred. And maybe it was early on and I just really, see, it was maybe something born out of a rivalry with my pop. He was an avid blue supporter. And I just remember watching origin with him and there was like the hand grenade try celebration. And I just thought these blues players are a bunch of, you know, Watsies and um <laughs> so i i think from there i was just like well I, queensland's the underdog so i'll just go mm. for them and at the time they were they were they were awful they were getting smashed joey johns was running around i think denny badiris was the best hooker in the world at that point which is strange to say but yeah they were getting Hindmarsh was literally mooning them every origin and they were just scoring so many tries 
I had no idea this was in you. I cannot believe we've not had this conversation. I thought you were just going to say, yeah, blues. No, no. And this is the thing because people go, oh, you go for the blues and then I have to to ignite this ACT pride and passion (laughs) from within because, yeah, we're we're not New South Wales and that is the one thing I reckon that just really eats at me when people go, oh, you're from the ACT, you have to go for New South Wales. Well, no, sometimes I just like the contest mm. and but I am partial to, to Queensland and my parents now live on the Gold Coast. Mm. I'm going to use your line all the time now. No, ACT is an island. We it is not- an island though. <laughs> that is the, I mean, maybe it's a peninsula because it's connected, <laughs> you know. It's like that episode of The Simpsons where they're like, we have a shock horror for you. It's not an island. It's a peninsula. It's like I've been lied oh. to this whole time. Oh. But that is that is Funny. the truth, though. But it, it is, it is the ACT. The ACT is its own its own thing. Gladys Berejiklian does not rule the ACT. No. Yeah, under this law of bardom, then it's fine. Well, I actually, or this is not the intention of this podcast, but it really annoys me when they say Canberra says, and I'm like, do we? Yeah. <laughs> do Canberra- well, that's exactly. Well, that's exactly it. Yeah. It's like. Uh, the bubble. Yes, the bubble indeed. Okay, let's move on to Melbourne. Let's go. Let what a strange, what an extraordinary <laughs> set of circumstances. Yeah. It was funny. I was talking to a colleague earlier today, shall not be named, uh, but they <laughs> essentially said that this is fine. How can the storm just come into to Albury and just say, we are going to train here, we are running the show? And I think it was the deputy mayor of Albury actually raised a good point saying, you know, how can we trust NRL players to do the right thing? And She's probably right to a degree because the Storm have Addo Carr and how many mm. times has he sort of flouted the rules? I think you'd think third time lucky. He's probably said that, all right, that's enough. I've, I've done enough here. And after Bellamy saying that if any of you stuff this up, you have to face me, I would hate. He'd just spray you and you would probably not play for a long period of time. I agree. And Melbourne is not one player. And I thought it was pretty rich coming from group of politicians to say <laughs> that rugby league players can't be trusted to behave themselves. I mean, I heard a very interesting interview today where uh, the discussion was, did Melbourne have the chat with you about we want to use these places before you had and go through all the options? Yeah. And that particular person said, yes, they did, but we weren't fully 100% happy with the health conditions. So it wasn't like they didn't know. Now, if I was the mayor of a any regional town and I had a group of NRL players coming to town, even if we're an AFL town, I would say I realise that there has to be hurdles that have to go through, but I would be saying yes because for Tamworth, who, I mean, Barnaby loves anything like that. What a boost. I know. What a boost to the town. And honestly, I'm really surprised. I suppose it's sort of too far gone now, but Melbourne should have just gone somewhere else. They really should have just packed their bags and said, okay, we'll find somewhere else that does want us. It's interesting. I think Albury is probably the closest place that they thought they could get over the border. It's probably the closest. It's probably three hours from Melbourne on a on a bus or something like that. It's mm. about the halfway point. It's about a six-hour journey from Canberra, and I'm working Albury is about three hours from here. So yeah. on my basic bus. But, um, <laughs> well done. <laughs> it's just, yeah, I mean, I agree. If, if it was easier for these players to, to travel and get around, then perhaps that may have been the move and it's just funny that out of everyone that came to their rescue it was this Aussie rules club the the Aubrey Tigers that actually came on board and helped the storm but I'm in the same boat as you 
I mean, the Warriors in Tamworth, and can you imagine Barnaby Joyce welcoming the Warriors to town? It'd just be absolutely wild. I mean, he's not the. They're I mean, he's not the councillor. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past him. I mean, he is. I mean, he is a New Zealand. Well, he was a New Zealand citizen. That's right. Maybe that's why they went to Tamworth. Maybe, but seriously, I, I don't get it. And there's got to be people in Albury who do know who they are. I would be stoked to run into well, any... someone. Someone was made the joke on on Twitter that they essentially went from one city where no one knew who they were to another city where no one knew who they were. <laughs> Like, Which is so awful. brutal. But, I mean, the Storm the storm get a decent crowd. I mean, a city of how many of a million are in Melbourne? Eddie's probably better versed in answering how many, five million. Eddie has joined us. I'm going to turn on his mic here. Oh, off the top of my head, it's four and a bit million. Four Maybe and a bit five. million. So, you know, 30,000 out of that is less than 1%, I think. Mm. Oh, well, I don't get it. It's really silly. And it felt to me like it was a publicity stunt that's gone horribly, horribly wrong. It just looks like. Yeah, the extraordinary meeting and and saying that it's a, it's a strange one. If you're a small if you're a small city or country town, and this is happening during a pandemic where the majority of your businesses are closed and those that are open are offering takeaway, I mean, where are they going to go in Albury? Where, I know. Where are what they trouble can they get in? Tamoga Pub? No, it's closed. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's closed. Yeah. There's nothing they can get up to. Actually, that's one of the bigger points. Anyway, let's move on to one other thing. So they got rid of Tony Crawford this week, the chief financial officer of the NRL. He was on a reputed 800K. Wow. Every time I put those... But then I'm also stats, like you have to do the finances of the entire NRL. True. But, I mean, some of the things that have come out supposedly about the NRL's finances is maybe they weren't as healthy as they they should have been. But, I mean, that's not really under his control. I mean, he doesn't make the decisions about where the money goes. He just simply says, well, this is how much money we have. Yep. He's a bit like the he's a bit like the mum when you're a kid and sort of that's like you right. go to the shops and you want to get chocolate and the chocolates at the time may have been $3, but you only had two and your mum goes, well, no, you can't get that one. You've got to get this one. But perhaps maybe for a period of time the NRL's gone, yep, the $3 chocolate instead of the two and... Unfortunately, he's a victim. Brent's analogies tonight. <laughs> Did you know that we live in an island called the ACT? Oh, we do an island in <laughs> oh, New South mean, Wales. Yeah, yes. Yes. It was in reference to state of origin, and I, I essentially shouldn't have asked. Yeah. shouldn't have asked. Well, we should have territory of origin, seeing as the territories oh. are both doing very well in their performance on. That'd be amazing. Mm. I can't even think who the NT would have as a, a footballer. No, they'd have to bring in someone and get them to pretend. Well, there probably there were some that were born in Darwin and moved down. Let's go back to what we're talking about. Lastly, before we move on to some AFL, Channel 9. And I've been mulling this over all day today. Channel 9 basically has said to the NRL, we don't need you as much as you need us. That's how I've interpreted the conversation. It's very strange. I can't work out what's going on with this relationship and surely... The other broadcasters are watching this and going, surely we can get in on this action of the the NRL and and make it. There's people out there that are sick of Channel 9 and, and what they're going on with. And I think the game will continue. Maybe you need broadcasters with no fans. So that's probably what Channel 9 is is getting at in that term. But I could see another broadcaster coming in and, and being prepared to, to do it. And, you know, there's headlines that probably embarrass 9 saying that they would probably have to cut certain programs you know 60 minutes probably turning into 30 minutes or something like that 
and and going going to there so there was a little bit of embarrassment for them in the way that they sort of attacked the nrl and their management of finances and then it sort of came back on them and hugh marks had to sort of backtrack a a little bit i don't i don't really get it you say that you're the home of league and yet you're doing everything possible to to put these roadblocks in place to stop the league actually resuming well Seriously, on May 28, when you look at your sporting options that you will have to watch, you will have some horse racing, maybe, Australian sports, I yep. should say, and then you will have NRL. And, and if you want to stay up until, you know, two o'clock in the morning, probably some Belarusian soccer, but no one's going to stay up and no one's going to stay up that late to, to watch it. And this is... Is Belarus you, an island? <laughs> maybe in Middle Eastern Europe, but that's the point that you're you're making is that where's Middle Eastern Europe? <laughs> it's an island, Eddie. It's next to the Middle East. <laughs> this is the point that you're you're making is that this is somehow if Channel Nine doesn't make any money off this, advertisers will be going crazy. Yep. Whatever you put on there, all these people that haven't been able to watch sport for however long sport has been away for, I lost count after day seven, but. <laughs> For however long sport has been away for, every single person, you could advertise McDonald's and probably everyone's going to jump in the car to McDonald's. KFC will make bucket loads of money. They'll be going to the bunker a lot. Yeah, exactly. The amount of times they go to the bunker, they'll probably be ordering you know, Uber Eats and, and getting lots of KFC because that's just how it works. People are going to be so high on endorphins watching sport that whatever is advertised during that period... People will probably become excessive gamblers at some point because Sportsbet was just going to run the show, which is an absolute shame. But that's what's going to happen. The advertisers will be paying a minute. It'll almost be, I wouldn't say it would be on par with the Super Bowl, but the amount of money that gets chucked at Super Bowl advertising, it would yep. have to be very similar for when sport resumes. It's prime time. Yep. So I think that Channel 9 needs the Rugby League more than the Rugby League actually honestly needs Channel 9. So I'm really surprised at this debate in the first place. We'll leave this here so we can come and have a discussion about AFL. Ed, just while you're there, you prepped your number one NRL player of all time? Yes. <laughs> well, I've got two and I'm You're still decided. sitting on no, the fence. I, I, think I I've feel decided. like I know who it might be, but only because I just feel like Eddie's... I think you know who the other one is. <laughs> Love this cryptic talk. We'll be back with more re-sporting in just a moment. Re-sporting. I have Brent Ford with me. I'm Jen Saderhelm. Eddie Williams joins us to talk some AFL and... Uh, <laughs> so the... Hang on. The hubs are not happening, are happening. Help me out, Ed. It seems like they're not happening, Jen, and the reason for that is the fact that restrictions are being eased, particularly on the eastern seaboard in, say, New South Wales. And and look, there's still a lot of detail to be nutted out. National Cabinet will make some announcements this week on Friday. The Victorian government will make some announcements on Monday. Obviously, 10 of the 18 teams are in Victoria, so it's particularly relevant what uh, the Victorian government has to say. But the AFL expects that... Once all this is done, they'll be able to uh, unveil their new fixture a bit later this month in May. Uh, They're hoping they'll be able to start the season again in June, and they're hoping it'll be fairly regular time slots, according to afl.com.au this week. Games played Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Not too many games needing to be played on a Monday, Tuesday or Wednesday, although they do still have 140 home and away games to get done uh, in order to have every team play every other team once. Um, so they're going to wait and see what happens with social distancing rules, but given the way things are tracking, they should be able to run without hubs. Players should be able to travel between 
most of the states and territories, even in Queensland that has a strict quarantine rule, uh, they are giving an exemption to professional sports, i.e. the NRL and the AFL. The problem is in Western Australia. Now, they've had a lot of success dealing with the coronavirus, at least seven days in a row without a positive test. No one's allowed in. That's the thing. Because they're doing so well, they don't want to let people come in from other parts of the country potentially bringing the virus. And so they will not give an exemption. So not like Queensland, where they've exempted uh, the NRL, the AFL. No exemption in WA. The Premier's come out this week very firm. Uh, Anyone who does come in subject to 14 days of isolation, that's not very convenient for AFL games that have been playing played every weekend. So it prohibits essentially other teams coming in to play West Coast and Frio on a week-by-week basis. But it also prevents them from leaving and coming back because normally they'd play every second week at home and every other week away. So the WA Premier Mark McGowan says there should be hubs and one of the hubs should be in Perth. Bring the other teams to the hub, have their 14 days of isolation, then play all the matches that you need to play in the hub. Unfortunately, what might happen, and Western Australian football fans will hate this, is that the WA teams will probably have to relocate somewhere on the East Coast, whether that's in Victoria or New South Wales, play a series of games there for a period of time, and potentially then they'll be able to, later in the season, if restrictions are changed, have a string of home games at the back end. We talked last week about the fact that they weren't able to start training in larger groups, even though the WA <laughs> yeah. laws would have allowed them to, and, and the AFL said, oh, we don't want to put the WA teams at a disadvantage. Unfortunately, I think the WA te- Sorry, they didn't want to put the WA teams at an advantage. Mm. I think uh, no matter what happens here, the WA teams are going to find themselves at some sort of a disadvantage. But they haven't even put a start date out there yet, so a lot can no. happen. Well, that's true. That's true. Things could change. The WA government may change its rules on the border, but they're pretty firm on it at the moment. They've been pretty strict, even with a colleague of ours who mm. was looking to return to WA where she's originally from to visit family. WA government, very, very strict on what they will and won't allow. drive across the Nullarbor. Well, and, well and not even, zone. Not even right. can't even do that. No, so they've got they essentially, know, checkpoints. Yeah, essentially Imagine said... being turned back. It's like yeah, trying so, to cross the Berlin Wall. Yeah, well, I mean... Yeah, it's <laughs> it's I an mean, island. Uh, didn't they? They, they built the, this great wall of WA to keep the rabbits <laughs> keep out. the rabbits out. Yeah. It's the, it's the footballer-proof fence. It's the emu wall. But, I mean, this is, this is the big, big problem, is Mark McGowan has to just chill out a little bit, <laughs> I reckon, here, because... I mean, surely if you hey, give... he's letting them meet in larger groups. I know, oh, there's flexible. 10 people. This is the funny thing, because within WA, restrictions have already been eased, I will know. be eased further. But the condition of that uh, is that they say, well, we can do these things, we can start lifting restrictions, but the only way we can make that work is if other people aren't potentially bringing the virus in. So you can understand where they're coming from. But unless but the, AFL, the AFL is prepared to set up a hub in Perth, it seems unlikely that we're going to see the AFL playing in WA, you know, at least when the season initially resumes. But Which surely... Is when they could surely. play a derby, as we've suggested. But yeah, in the, June sometime, we think, Jen. But, okay. yeah. but what do the AFL players do when they go to Perth? I, I mean, I swear this is the, the way... The, yeah, they Visit the Quokka? Yeah, they might, go, they might go across to, to <laughs> see the, the Do Quokkas. they go to that casino, you know? What, the Perth one? Perth, I don't know. I've never been to Perth. Know. I was planning on, and then COVID, they shut the borders and I wasn't allowed. But, I mean, most of the time, they they go what? Say they're playing Saturday. They go Thursday, they catch a, a late flight, they stay in the hotel on Friday, probably won't do anything. They'll play 
or maybe have a training session so you know maybe they could streamline it at a place in in perth where they go yep this is a quarantine area no perthites or whatever they call perth people crowd an island within but wa apparently there's, for the, the afl players. i mean this is happening in perth where the north perth people can't go down to i think it's peel yeah and there's different restrictions in, within so, western australia i mean the issue uh, there are a number of issues that you can understand the government having which is you know you've got to land at the airport you've got to somehow get from the airport to the other place well, just have a bus like driver specific people have specific people that are assigned there if they the tackle, afl driver and then you, you know you have like a high level security guard or something mm. that like watches them like a hawk and and says you're not allowed out. He could be a hawk. Maybe <laughs> they maybe they say so, you know. Um, it's you, interesting. I mean, and we've seen yeah. a lot uh, this year where sometimes different leaders make a bit of an opening gambit where they come out and say, right, this is our very firm position. We will not waver from this position. We I'm going to run three to Monero. Monero. Yes. No, and then 20, they do change their twelve minds. hours later. So, but the, oh. but the, what does Mark McGowan think is going to happen? So, say the Perth uh, teams, the WA teams, they go and play in I don't know Sydney yep. against the Swans, and uh, we know what's happening there. The tragic stuff that's happening, uh, the uh, clusters of cases. Say so, you know, uh, let's use an example of Lewis Jetta. Lewis Jetta goes and handshakes Lance Franklin after the game, good friends or whatever, you know. They haven't had any contact throughout the game because, you know, one's a small winger, one's Playing a, on the other a side of the ground. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Somehow, Lewis Jetta contracts COVID-19, yep. brings it back with the team. Then what happens? Do, do they then say, well, sorry, Eagles, you're stuck there well, or no, so the thing would back. be if w if if they were if they flew away to play a game in sydney and then wanted to fly straight back they'd have to go into 14 days of quarantine again and then they wouldn't be able to play for an or train for another 14 days and you can't have a fixture where west coast and fremantle only play or train every two weeks like, they can't be locked in quarantine well this is the every second this is the headache essentially the that i think is so they either have to move to yeah the east coast uh, for a period of time or you do go back to the, the hub east coast idea, eagles but the afl doesn't seem as keen on the hubs as it was when we spoke last week i but reckon mark mcgowan will relax in the next four weeks quietly confident quite possibly yeah. oh, i don't know <laughs> I, I don't know i mean they, honestly after, i mean uh, honestly after seeing our our colleague try and get into to perth and and say that you know they want to see family and essentially the people who wrote back the letter saying, oh, you know, you can try again, but it's unlikely. I can't see it happening. Look, they're taking the health issue very seriously, obviously. Um, mm. And that's having an impact on how the AFL Still will Still can't will believe run. this place that's two hours behind everyone else has just locked down its borders. Can't, cannot believe it. Well, this does bring, which we didn't mention in our NRL segment, but, I mean, imagine if Latrell Mitchell had had... COVID. I mean, it turns out he just had a sniffle, but life's good. But imagine the repercussions. Mm. That probably would have kiboshed the season. And that's all it will take. All it will mm. take is one player within whichever code, mm. and then that will change the plans pretty drastically. Or do you just consider COVID as a season-ending injury? Yeah. Mm. Or, you know, you're It's out the new osteitis period. Yeah, or you're out for two weeks, three weeks. Yeah, you're not allowed to. You got to go because, to the tribunal. I mean, I mean the review panel yeah, says uh, your your COVID was intentional. Yeah, high, <laughs> high. Actually, your lung capacity is now gone. So. Yeah, chicken wing. Yeah, I mean, this is the 
I don't. Send it I to mean, the I don't necessarily agree that it would have kiboshed the season because oh, it would have pushed know. it back, and it would have. You know, Gladys Berejiklian came pretty close to saying, "Well, if this is the sort of behaviour we keep seeing, then yep. maybe we will reconsider letting." letting because this of who it was, I think. And it I don't know. Done. Maybe that's on Mark McGowan's mind. I mean, We've what's had Nat Fife go for the surf. We've had the very small house party the Fremantle Dockers played. Yeah, seven, <laughs> seven people. Seven people. <laughs> How good! I mean, surely. I mean, big name players too. I think they played yes. something like thirty games between them. So I mean, yeah. obviously attracting crowds, those Frio players. <laughs> oh, this is the best. Something about a fixture, Eddie. Sorry, let's get back on track in AFL. Yeah. So look, hopefully by early next week, we'll have a much clearer idea of when we'll get the fixture, which oh, will right, be sometime yes. this month. Yep. And then. We expect the season should be able to start next month in June. There's some debate about how many weeks the players need to prepare. Is that three weeks? Is it four weeks? Mm. Uh, Chris Scott, the Geelong coach, was uh, on the radio this week and he said, well, you know, it's just it's not ideal, right? We have to just be ready to deal with a situation that's not ideal. We're not going to have the many months pre-season that we would normally have. Mm. We've got to work with what we've got. But you don't want the players putting themselves in danger. You don't want to see, you know, a string of soft tissue injuries. So they've got to get the balance Is right. Is it going to affect the quality? I, I, I only had this thought. The quality was really today. good in the opening you round think with no like crowds. These players aren't going to be as fit. The games, even, you know, rugby league is more demanding than it's ever been. <laughs> I don't so think the fitness necessarily makes the game It makes me happier better. to see those players down but behind I mean, the they, line yeah. puffing with yeah, <laughs> exactly. the first couple of weeks. But I mean, the no. first couple of weeks I mean, of you the put season, Tony Lockett as one of your, as one of your moments. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, but the 90s was, was different, different and he could just stand in the goal square. People he didn't say have that the to footy move. was better in the 90s. He didn't have to. Well, it was. He didn't have to move. Put the tomahawk in the goal square. Yeah, but he has to move now because the modern day football means he has to run up to the wing and take a mark and then he has to kick it to some smaller guy. Let him just stand in the goal square and monster people. That's Maybe what the that people is want. what will happen. Maybe well, because some of them are, really might yeah. be able to monster people after. Yeah, because the, they'll be too tall. Especially they got the virus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the that's the problem. I agree with the coaches, and and I mean, it's probably one of the concerns of local football because I mean, we're yeah. not athletes. I think to start like with. I don't think it's about fitness necessarily to say, oh, we don't want them to be huffing or puffing too much. I think it's more around oh, it's the, the body tissue. being ready for. But yeah, it's for the those demands injuries. about it, and I mean, they're talking about. Wednesday night football and uh, yeah, I mean I, I don't think we'll see much of that how, how much time would you need to back up I mean we see it with Origin and we won't see it this year thankfully because I don't think the players would be physically ready for it but you know we see multiple times during the NRL season the players have to play on the Sunday they go then and play Origin uh, the next week and yeah. then they back up you yeah, know, we see it sometimes in the AFL if Anzac Day falls midweek. There was talk that if there were going to be games, you know, every night of the week, they would have to have an increased number of players, an increased squad. That seems to be off the table at the moment, but things change very quickly. Would Wednesday night mm. footy work? I'm not. I'm not. If sold you've on got it. no other choice on a Wednesday night, especially I'll be now that Mad sport. as Hell is finished, yeah, um, yeah. even without crowds. Yeah, I don't mind watching. I'm still on the fence. I'm still on the fence. I've been on the fence a lot, if not in the <laughs> island, on I got the fence. Sp- <laughs> I got splinters. <laughs> Look, I want to speak about Dean Laidley gently because I think this is showing symptoms of being a broader problem, not just in the AFL but in the NRL as well, as yeah. to how we look after not just coaches but players after they finish. I'm going to use a quote that I read from. Um, Darren Berwick, the Essendon, former Essendon star, who'd known lately since he was a child, he said, unfortunately, some people have to go through things to find out more about themselves. And I thought that was the best and nicest approach because Laidley clearly has a really good support network of family and friends. But 
Eddie. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. This yeah, is... and, and you know, we don't don't want to diminish the fact there's a very serious charges that he's facing, stalking and other charges. He did not apply for bail, so he's he's still in custody, and you know, undoubtedly for the alleged victim, uh, a very serious matter that they have been through. Um, but you you make the point, and and it's been a point of discussion this week that a uh, former AFL coach Danny Frawley, not that long ago, died. Tragically, yep. we've had former uh, AFL coach Mark Bomber-Thompson in court on drugs charges. And, and there are other issues, you know, that, that players and coaches have dealt with. Now, that does you know, the pressure of being an AFL coach doesn't excuse you from, you know, the laws and norms of society. It's not an excuse to commit a crime. Um, but there does seem to be an issue there in the AFL with the, the pressures of coaching, it's a very unnatural thing to do. To be fair, he hadn't been doing it for years. You know, we, we don't want to draw too many direct links. Uh, but uh, what has been discussed is the fact that maybe the AFL Coaches Association does its best to reach out to current and former coaches, but it's doing it with pretty limited resources. Does there need to be a better safety net, both for coaches that are coaching now, but also after they coach, after they finish? Because it would be very strange. You, you spend every week in front of the camera. You're in charge of, you know, one of the the 20 or 30 biggest sporting organizations in the country you know it's a multi-million dollar industry you're on a big contract and then you're not maybe you're an assistant maybe that finishes uh dan ladley was coaching a, a local team in melbourne a suburban team um yeah something has clearly gone very wrong mm. whether we, whether or not to draw the connection as well this is a symptom of wider problems in the afl at the very least it's something the afl needs to look closely at well, and especially in these current circumstances, because uh, at least with, I suppose, the current coaches and players, they've got something to work towards. Mm. But for some of those players who were perhaps doing little pieces on the sidelines that wasn't a full And we're going to see time. assistant coaches sacked. Um, yes, there, yeah. there, there will be fewer assistant um, t- to some extent, there's been too many assistant coaches. You look sometimes on the TV, you say, why are there 15 people sitting behind, uh, you know, sitting analytics, behind John Orsfold? Analytics yeah. and the way that the, the game is. Unfortunately, some of those people are going to lose their jobs through cost-cutting yeah. and you wonder what will they do next? Well, yeah, I mean, it's a, a really good point. But, I mean, just going back to, to Dean Laidley and, I mean, sometimes, and, I mean, you don't want to draw too heavy a line to it, but there can sometimes be cultures at at clubs and you look back and you think well the players that came out of that club I mean I look at the the mid 2000s west coast side and you you know you don't draw it about all players and there's always going to be sort of squeaky clean players so you know Chris Chris Judd Judd, and and what's happened there and I sort of think of Anthony Stevens almost in a way of of that 90s um, North Melbourne side they were absolute rock stars Mm. Um, and you think of him as a squeaky clean but then you think the names that have sort of come out like Glenn Archer a player that I uh, thought was um, you know someone who was Shinbutter of the century, mm. essentially. Um, he was in the COVID nineteen team. Yeah, mm. but I mean, he he had he went to court. I mean, yep. David King went to court. Shannon uh, Grant. Shannon Grant went to court. Now, there was that horrible um, uh, Wayne uh, Carey, uh, his misdemeanors as well, and what he rubber was doing. chicken video that was made by a group of North Melbourne players in that. Yeah, era. so you think uh, perhaps that sometimes these people. Uh, get into to different environments. And, I mean, Dean Ladley, known as the, the junkyard dog, yes. really tough. I think that was more reference to his playing style. But I think one of the things that really hit home for me was there was an article uh, put up during the week and there was a an incident that occurred with Dean Ladley sort of 
in the middle of his coaching career, he had this altercation with a fan who um, it was not known to to Laidley at the time that this fan was um, deeply uh, depressed and 13, 11, 14 as well, if you are feeling um, unwell or if this story does um, hit a chord with you. And basically that um, fan went home that night after that altercation and, and took mm. their own life. And it was one of the things that um, came out was that friends and family said that despite the fact that after the that death, people had talked about um, that Dean Dean's argument with him had no influence on his decision. He was already fighting his own demons. But um, there was Dean's Dean had talked to f- friends and family and said he just couldn't get that person's face out of his head, and it always haunted him. And you just think about how those sort of interactions that you know we have interactions daily at sporting events uh when we're at sport and you're allowed to go you have those interactions and you know you yell something funny like get them on side or whatever but you think about you know sometimes and it, it, it was the first time it sort of hit me that perhaps sometimes the things you yell at the game how does that impacting someone else and i mean in this case there was no evidence to say that that did impact someone but you know, you just it makes you think a, a little bit more about what you put online and and what you say about because that's the new way of yelling at players. Yeah, you know, is yeah. tweeting at them. You know, yeah. Instagramming them. And on top of that, I mean, how many of these stories that we now see in the newspapers or on social media would have not been known thirty years ago? Mm. Like yeah. they would have just been under the carpet or or behind the scenes or played out in private. Nothing plays out in private anymore. Yeah, and I think of you know Nicky Wimmer's statement when you know he pulled up his jumper and pointed he was obviously getting racist taunts put at him and I think of that you know as as sort of like if that happened sort of nowadays would that the modern day version of that is a player actually tweeting back at someone mm. and that's seen as something that's really powerful now um but you know that was that was the way of players dealing with it when there was no social media or it was happening to them on the field and yeah I mean it's a very very difficult situation to deal with it is and unfortunately in not just sporting areas in all areas i i think it's going to be something that's going to be a presence again and again until and beyond when this situation resumes i'm just going to say one other thing to the both of you because it really irked me they had a i didn't even open the story because it annoyed me but i saw an nrl player forced to find a tradie job and I thought, seriously, seriously, you're making it like that this is a bad thing, like forced to find a tradie job. So on the other side of things, people who are trying to make money for their families while they aren't working or aren't working the hours that they normally would do, I hate headlines like that that make it feel like having to get a everyday job is beyond, below them. But players yeah. should be largely doing that anyway, or at the very least equipping themselves with the skills so that when their rugby league or AFL career is over, and to be fair, I think both leagues and all the clubs work really hard on it. And you see lots of players studying or undertaking a trade or an apprenticeship or whatever it might be, um, because you know a rugby league or an AFL career, if you're lucky, might last 15 years. Mm. In most cases, it doesn't, and you mm. need to find something else to do afterwards. So 
coronavirus or not, it'd be a good idea to get a tradie job. Well, that's what I felt too. So I just, I just didn't like the wording. Matthew Stokes used to work at the zoo. Yeah, but again, this goes back to, I mean, well, then what's their opinion of women's sport? There was a number of basketballers that I talked to. Well, they go uh, the other way around. Yeah, exactly. Where mm. they actually have to have a career and, you know, someone like uh, Jess Bibby, uh, who... I think it makes them more grounded. Yeah, who was essentially the, well, basically the, the league's leading um, games holder until uh, this season. I mean, she turned to, to producing coffee and now runs, you know, her own uh, coffee van and, and does things that way. But, you know, she has said that there was a number of different avenues that she had to do while she was, you know, one of the best players in the in the league and playing at the top of her game. She was having to have a second job because that was the only way that she could support her family. And I know there's other athletes, you know, people like Lauren Jackson have been very fortunate to earn good contracts overseas and it's changing slowly. I mean, the minimum amount that female basketballers were played for the last WNBL season was, I think, about 10,000. So, of course, they're going to have to, to go and have other jobs. So I think, you know... Things like that really irk me when there's Mm, no sort of consideration to to women's sport and that there's been this whole sort of generation of female athletes throughout the 90s and the early 2000s and even now that are are still having to to do other jobs or even AFLW players are looking at, you know, teaching over playing football and choosing that because they can't justify playing eight weeks and not having a job at the end of it to go back to. And they need to have supportive bosses too yeah. often, especially Olympians and so on. Mm. These yeah. things will be different when you're the head of the NRL. Oh, thing. it will be very yeah. different when I'm the head of NRL. I think maybe I'm aiming too low. Maybe I need like to take Gladys's job. Or <laughs> I was going to say member Fred Monero. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, number, number one, one NRL player. I won't take up too much time because I'm a relatively recent convert to NRL having grown up in Melbourne and as you alluded to before no one in Melbourne even knows anyone from the Melbourne Storm let alone any other players but having lived in Canberra the past six years you come to follow it and quite enjoy it a great bloke on and off the field I'm slightly worried I'm stealing someone else's but I will just cite one match where I saw this player play in person one of the early rugby league league games that I went to in June of 2015 uh, between the Raiders and the Cowboys a tight game all day 20 all with no time left, as the siren was sounding pretty much. Uh, Jonathan Thurston nails the field goal. The Cowboys win 21-20. He'd been involved in all three tries that the Cowboys had scored that day. He'd kicked two conversions, two penalty goals, and that winning field goal. And it was a bit of an omen because 2015, the year they won the grand final. And what did he do in the grand final? He kicked the winning field goal as well. I don't need to go into great detail about his career on or off the field. I think it pretty much speaks for itself. But I'm putting Jonathan Thurston as my number one. Lovely. I was Ooh. going to ask you your number one AFL player, and I thought we could do that. But, of course, I now know Brent's from last week's discussions uh, of his number one sporting moment. So perhaps uh, next week you might... That might be a- my favourite player, but it might not be the best ever. Actually, I said it was the best ever. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, yeah, I kind of gave it away. You, you, I was trying to put my poker face back on, but... I was going to say, you didn't sit on the fence on I already showed the, I already showed the cards, so... <laughs> yeah. I had yeah. all aces. Well, I'll have to ponder that, Jen, because I, I don't know. Oh, good. Well, I've given you some time to think about it because um, I think that's a probably far more challenging, stimulating, or keep you going for the next week as you go through the different options and then cross someone out and put them back in or a lot of youtube yes i'm watching some highlights but uh jonathan thurston a mighty choice for your nrl selection very 
It'll be up there. It'll be up there. I think there was a poll earlier this week and he was the player picked. Yeah, I read that voted, too. So. Which surprised me because I think I'd sent this out to you beforehand and then saw the poll and went, oh, damn, they stole my thunder. But it was good actually to go through and you mentioned Andrew Johns. He was on there too. And I cross, off, cross off some people. Yeah, yeah, you sort of... And I mean, yeah, I mean, sometimes the stats can tell the story, but I think I might... I will Laurie say Daly, that, that Laurie Daly at number two, by the way. But anyway, I'm but digressing. But that surprise me. It did surprise me, it, which clearly shows where my opinion is on where this is. But we'll come back to this. Reese Floyding, <laughs> joining us today, Eddie Williams with the AFL. Reese Floyding, Nathan Letts is on the phone. It's been yet another big week in cricket. And Letsy, first of all, hello, how are you? Pretty good, thanks. How are you guys? Good, good. We're all very good. Eddie has divulged his number one NRL player of all time, which is Jonathan Thurston. If yours is Jonathan Thurston, don't let yourself hold back from saying Jonathan Thurston. But let's um, talk locally to us first and foremost, because a bit of exciting news this week that should there be five tests between Australia and India, one of them might well be held at Manika. I guess you are Cambri- Cambrian. What, what, what do Canberra people call themselves? Islanders. Just add ns to the ends of it. Wouldn't that be interesting though? Like it seems for it would be a very interesting venue to even even have like the whole test series there because you you are not in the middle of nowhere, but like it's sort of <laughs> out opposed of the way to it. a little bit. So. And the batting the surface would still be good for batting uh, by the end of the fifth test, based on Monica's history. <laughs> what gets so? Would you go to all the tests? If, if all four tests were in Canberra, would you guys go yep. to all of them? Yes, and in fact, I made the. I was speaking about the fifth test being in Marnica, and I said to my son that we would go to every day of it. And we had a bit of debate at home, and my son and I was like, "Nope, doesn't matter if there's school." <laughs> well, that was his decision, but I would go to every day. Well, I mean, why not? Like, if it's, if it's all there, um, but you've still got a little bit, little bit of competition with Adelaide around as well. Cricket Australia are still considering having it in Adelaide after that hotel's built near the ground. Yeah. Obviously, they want to have a bit of a quarantine hub going on. But there's no reason why they couldn't do the same thing with Canberra, could they? Well, we've got some good hotels nearby. Oh, good hotels near Monica? Yeah, and some good food too. Within walking Perfect. distance, I'll add too. But Even then, better. Yeah, but then so does South Australia. So uh, the Cricket Australia cash crisis continues the Player Association has responded and um, Kawaja, who is obviously a little bit miffed to start with, has accused uh, Cricket Australia of financial mismanagement. Yes, obviously he's probably not necessarily the uh, happiest camper at the moment given Cricket Australia have kind of, kind of let him go. He, was, he obviously wasn't on the contract list last week, which uh, we spoke about it at uh, length on the last episode. But um, he, see, he says the game and he sort of echoes... Well, Players Association letter to Cricket Australia also echoes this, that Cricket Australia's financial position isn't necessarily as bad as what Cricket Australia are saying. Uh, Kawaja said it was probably more of a cash flow problem, which I guess to a degree it kind of makes sense. But at the same time, it's, it's not it's not their main part of the year for making money. Like it's, as Kawaja said, business 101 have reserves there <laughs> for when, as he said, the crap hits the fan. <laughs> Well, no one, no one appears to have had reserved money. I mean, uh, I mean, 
The AFL, it appears, had a little bit of money and the NRL didn't have enough to see them through a period of time and everyone's asking for loans left, right and centre. So does Kawaja, did people do any looking into his bank account and see whether he had reserve funds? Because it sounds like he's he doesn't have a low, whole lot in reserve and maybe he's just a little upset that his performance to not earn an Australian contract has lived up to expectation. No, maybe they should. They should see uh, what what are Kawaja's assets. Does he uh, how's he at business one hundred and one? Does he have a saving account? <laughs> Is it, it a Combank Dollar Mart <laughs> account? <laughs> <laughs> They're always Combank, surely. <laughs> You'd think so anyway. Yeah. Now, I get to say this. The boys can't possibly say this line to you, but it's my understanding that all the cricket players are going to have nice shiny balls. (laughs) (laughs) I should have been expecting that, but I really wasn't. But, um, yes, uh, (laughs) Kookaburra has um, come out with a very interesting development when it comes to ball shining. Um, obviously, it's crucial to swing bowling, and often what is used to use like sweat and interesting bodily fluids for shining a ball. But Kookaburra has come up with a new pocket-sized sponge applicator to put wax. <laughs> what? It sounds a lot like sandpaper to me. <laughs> is it yellow? I'm not sure what colour it is. You might have to pull up a picture. <laughs> yeah, it's a pocket-sized sponge applicator that either the umpires or the players. <laughs> So Cameron Bancroft uh, was just being hygienic. Rub the ball to kind of shine. (laughs) This is what I don't. So this is what I'm trying to understand. This is what I've never understood about (laughs) cricket. I think you should be able to do whatever. Stay away from the stitching. That's off limits. And don't bite the ball because that's just (laughs) nasty. But you should be able to apply whatever you want to it as long as it's within reason and doesn't affect the actual shape of the ball. So you know you can sandpaper it a little bit and if that that works then maybe i mean it might make the game more exciting ky jelly yeah i mean imagine watching the ball just swing i mean they were talking about mints or whatever and apparently the mint that you put in your saliva and it goes on the ball might make it a little bit heavier so then it will swing so then what's wrong with that that makes the game more exciting the batsmen have had it too easy for far too long we're seeing batsmen still not get anywhere near bradman but oh, averaging way higher you're right, though, especially if we're playing all the tests on the flat wicket at Monica. Yeah, I think give, it needs to be open. Give the, bowlers the bowlers. A little, give the bowlers a little bit of excitement. I mean, they're rocking up to training and going, well, you know, I'm bowling a little bit faster, but, you know, everyone just cares about Steve Smith scoring 300 every game. So, you know, my seven wickets, I'm not getting any man of the matches. Steve's getting all the TVs and all the, all the watches that they give out for man of the yeah. match, and I'm not getting any of the cake. Maybe next week we can all come in with our best suggestion of something we can rub on the ball. <laughs> or something that would spice up sports. So, I mean, yes. this this will never happen, but people were like, you know, the amount of people that were doping on the Tour de France, just give them all the juice. What, what just if, let them all do it. What if, they if, just... <laughs> if, they become, if they become better athletes as a result, but of course you can't because of the... the Could we even have like a doping Olympics? Like a Someone Olympics, has said yeah. that. Just Someone people yeah. just getting on the juice. I mean, that's... So people have said that, but imagine if you lost. Like, that is physically as good as you could ever be, and you just won't win. Well, after your Steve Bradbury last week, I went through and watched the greatest, like, sporting moments that shouldn't ever have been great sporting moments. Oh, and I had that thought of, I had that thought of, you know, putting people in the wrong sports. So, you know, oh. you'd, you'd have your, um, like, 100-metre sprinters, but they'd have to go and do the pool. 
<laughs> and, and really spice things up by putting them into a context that was totally unfamiliar to them. So I'll put them on a soccer field. Yes, yeah, so there's one for us for next week. We'll see if we can find uh, ways of spicing up the games. That why they don't they spray detergent on the ball and wipe it? And that way you've sanitised the ball and you've polished oh. it and maybe it'll swing. I don't know. Do germs like one side or the other? I mean, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Do they weigh it down maybe? I don't know. Anyway, last but not least, the ECB's postponed their 100 ball competition to 2021, um, probably for the best, hey, Letsy? Yeah, for the best, but also di- really disappointing for them. They had they had a ridiculous budget for it for this year, though, like a $40 million pound budget, what? which is about yeah. $37.1 million Australian dollars. Like, it's, it's a pretty huge budget, but... They, what they want to do, they, they would love to have the same contracts for next season, next seasons, obviously, 2021, but international schedules might not necessarily align with their comp like they did with this year. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with people like Rashid Khan, who was meant to be playing, who is meant to be playing with Afghanistan next year if he's in the team when the... 100 ball comp is on so it'll be very interesting to see what happens with the contract and not only that it's um probably affected the women's game as well a fair bit because with the 100 100 ball game that that was going to be like on tv in the uk and it's a fair bit more exposure than uh, what it currently gets over there but uh, they don't really have anything too much like the big bash as far as i understand like as far as far as the WW, ah, WWE, <laughs> now there would be a good thing for the cricket players to invest in doing so a sport that was way out of their comfort zone. Wouldn't that be hysterical? Rashid Khan, WWE. He's got to climb the, the cricket corporate ladder and get the money in the bank briefcase. <laughs> Maybe that, that's a new investment for Cricket Australia if they have some spare money lying around. Start some a wrestling reserve. promotion. Yeah. Oh, hey, Rashid Khan, by the way, is like the... Tony Lockett of cricket. Because Rashid Khan is like 19, but he looks like he's 45. He's only 19. He he looks young and old at the same time. Yes, he does. He's 20. Maybe he's 20. Am I thinking of the right Rashid Khan? The Adelaide Strikers, he does the aeroplane. He's only 19. Wow. Well, he's less than 21, but he looks 45. Are you kidding? No. No. I thought that guy was like had been playing forever. Hang on. I'm going to Google as we speak. I'm right, Rashid. I'm I'm not. I'm doing it right now. Oh, good on you. I'm now mind blown (laughs) because I thought that guy was at least. 45. 30, I know. 30. He just, he looks... It's hard to tell, though. Pakistani and Afghan players, you know, sometimes birth certificates are not as easily uh, found as they are in other He's countries. 21. No way. That is a lie. He's born in 1999. That's a wow. lie. He's nearly... When nearly, he started in the BBL and they came he's out... Nearly and he was nearly 2000, baby. I know. And they came out and he said he's 19. He must have started when he was 19. And I looked at him when they said he was 19 and I went... You're See, I was thinking no. of that other player, Lamachami or whatever his name is. <laughs> Lamachane from the Yeah, ball. that's him. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think of the 100, though, Letsy? Um, this idea that we have a, a fourth format of the game, 100 balls per team, you bowl the overs in, in blocks of five or ten, five or ten balls per bowler at a time. Um, as you say, would have been good for the women's game in England, but overall, do you like the idea? I'm not really sure about it, to be honest, because we already have T20, which mm. is only literally only another 20 balls, and like the overs are the same as like other cricket. So I'm, I'm, I really think it's a little bit, not pointless, but it just seems a little bit odd to put um, all your eggs in that basket when there's already another option that people are currently playing. 
and of course, you know, how much do you keep shortening the games? Um, I mean, there's the T10 league that plays, I think, in, no, in Dubai. Is there? There is really? a T10 league. Um, Bring back Beats Cricket. Give me five overs. <laughs> and just like... Darren just, Goff. If you're, not, if, you're not on, if you're not on for those five overs... Remember when Darren Goff fun. got picked to play for England off the back of his form in the Beach Cricket? <laughs> Can we just have a ten ball game one day? Yeah. Just ten balls. Give me two overs. Two Give me two overs. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Twelve balls. With yeah. the happy compromise. Twelve <laughs> balls. Perfect. No w- wides don't count. <laughs> oh, look! We could revolutionise the game. That's what we'll do next week. We'll come up with our own special concepts. Now, your number one NRL player of all time, Letsy. Yeah, now it's probably I'm a little bit biased because I am a Melbourne Storm fan, as you guys are aware of. Now, it's probably it's when I sort of started watching NRL. I watched Storm, and obviously they were my team. But there was one particular player who stood out a lot to me. Now, he because I started watching probably around 2008ish. My family are originally from Melbourne, so we were originally AFL fans, and they, my parents especially, weren't really into rugby league, but. When I started watching, I remember seeing this player and I can't pin it down to a specific moment, but I was just like, wow, gee, this guy's all right. He can, this guy can really play. He can get out of tough situations. He's quick and he's very intelligent as well. Billy Slater. Yeah, he's, he's a great guy. And um, what I love about the evolution of Billy Slater, and this comes back, we were talking before we we spoke to you about how some players struggle after the game is over, but he's done this sequence of incredible commercials for um, Powerade or Gatorade. One of the is this the one where he's playing with his daughter, playing Barbies with his daughter? No, not that one. Have you seen the ones? <laughs> <laughs> Have you? So you haven't seen the ones where he's playing Barbies with his daughter? No, but it wouldn't surprise me. It, well, it didn't surprise me either, and I think every woman in the world kind of went. Oh, Billy. <laughs> I think he's... I, I know that a lot of New South Wales fans didn't really like him um, because he just seemed to steal the game away from them in that long period of origin where he's so hard to catch, as as Letsy said. But um, I think he's one of those players that's just universally liked, except for that time that he threw the ball back into the field of play and New Zealand scored and won the World Cup. But outside of that, I mean, very universally loved and very genuinely loved. And loved in New Zealand as well, apparently. I mean, New Zealand's people still talk about that one time they beat Australia. (laughs) Oh, oh, man, this has been a top episode. Anything else about Billy Slater before we go? (laughs) Well, I'd just like to say... During that period of origin, there were so many origin moments and um, too too many to name. It was just fantastic to see Queensland win so much. Oh, the one where he kicks it. He kicks it over the top and he grabs it with the one hand and then he runs around and no one can catch him. He goes, oh, Billy. (laughs) I think that's what Rab said. May have been. Look, I realise that was a dig intended at me, Letsy, but I just have to tell you what also (laughs) happened before you were speaking with us today. We discovered that Brent Ford is very passionately devoted to the ACT and because the ACT is not in New South Wales and not in Queensland and not in Melbourne, we are an island. (laughs) So my argument, Letsy, was that we're an island and thus because of that I'm not tied to a state in state of origin. So he doesn't care he doesn't care if you're passionate. So Nick Kotrick should have been able to choose. So you're you're just an independent observer each year? You're a Queensland uh, fan, aren't you, Brent? I am 
partial to Queensland, but purely, and I explain this. I explain this because it was around the time that New South Wales did the hand grenade try celebration and Pop was rubbing it in. And I just thought Queensland at this time was just the massive underdog. And so, well, they weren't always the underdog after that, but um, it was just that point in time where I was like, yeah, you know what? I'll go for Queensland at that point in time. But then, you know, Queensland won for a period of time and. I think it was around 2014, then the Blues got it back. And so then I was like, oh, this is cool. I sort of just go, you know, whoever won the series before, let's let's share it around. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of love and fence-sitting from Brent Ford. <laughs> I think it's a very, very good choice and do have a bit of a soft spot for Billy Slater myself. Let's see, thank you for your chat today and we'll catch up with you again next week. And in the meantime, you can think about how you're going to revolutionise your sport of choice or come up with your own thing. We could play, we could play Let's Exercise. Let's decide. Okay. Yeah. I've got many ideas of how to revolutionise not only cricket, but every sport. Oh, we're going to have so much fun next week. I'm going to come in with 20 ideas for every sport. It's going to be a, or might be a triangle plan for every sport. <laughs> Four point goals in the yeah. WNBA. Oh. <laughs> Let's see. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for the chat. Thank you. Cheers. Brent and I are here to discuss our favourite NRL player. Sorry. I didn't say favourite, I said the greatest, which is slightly different. Sometimes they are not necessarily your favourite, which is an interesting case in point. Because Sean Fenson would have gotten a few mentions if it was favourite. Well, if John Tuxworth was here, he would have, he would have said <laughs> Fenson for sure. Now, I'm just going to see if this is going to work, okay? <laughs> and it's funny because Eddie's looking at us. Eddie's looking going, what is going on? It's Kerry O'Keefe. <laughs> you know who that is. That's your no. that's your favorite. Play. That's your favorite. Player. Oh well, it's your is the that player that, you, that is that, that is, is Jonathan Thurston. And no, he, it's not the Joker. It is my favorite player as well, and the best. And I think he is the greatest player of all wow. time. And it was not a tough decision. And I find this really ironic. It wasn't a tough decision. No, because wow. um, there's Letsy saying you know go the Maroons, but here I am. I love Smith. I love Slater. I love. Thurston, so I have this real wow, love affair with someone, all these Maroons. Someone you keep leaving out, and I'll well, we, tell you in a yeah, sec. Yeah, you'll tell me in just a sec. Yeah. Uh, I'll just add to what Eddie said beforehand of my affinity for him. Obviously, 2015 was the year of glory for Jonathan Thurston, although he'd won a premiership with the Bulldogs back in, what, 2004? Back when he was five. Yeah, when he was very young. Four Dally M's, which is more than anyone else. Three Golden Boots, which is more than anyone else. In retirement, he set up, and I don't know if you know this, he set up the Jonathan Thurston Academy. He's the managing director. And rather than being an academy for rugby league, it's actually a forum which encourages Australian youth to access educational and vocational resources needed to secure meaningful employment. Seriously, what a man. And last but not least, he um, had a couple of... Some, not major incidents, but a couple of minor incidents that saw him get in trouble with the police in his younger days. And this comes back to our earlier conversation about sometimes being in the right team or having the right person around you. And it's my understanding that um, he was taken aside by, I think it was Wayne Bennett. And Bennett said to him, mate, you have the potential to be a leader and a really important leader. And Thurston at this point in his career had just not hadn't seen that in himself and it was like a turning point for him in terms of I I am this person I'm going to represent this and I'm going to represent that and I think that's part of the appeal is not only is he got an incredible laugh 
He seems to have a great sense of humour. Other players love him, but he just seems to have um, risen to the occasion again and again and again in terms of his integrity, and I, I, th- I love him. There you go. Wow. It's a love-in for Jonathan Thurston. <laughs> yep. So mine, uh, his middle name's Patrick. You still you got no idea who I'm talking about, do you? Patrick. Who's Patrick? Look, I don't know their middle name. I think I know who you're going to pick. CPC. Oh, no, okay. No. Oh, really? Cooper Cronk. Cooper Cronk. I know. I know that you're thinking that this is so left field. Yes, I am. And I was certain he was going to say Mel. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, he's possibly the... Well, Josh Papali, in my opinion, is actually the greatest Raider of all time, but that's a story that's for another... That's a story for another wow. day. Sean Fenson will have something to say about that. <laughs> I, I don't know what to do today. Brent is just not... <laughs> a lot of controversial decisions. Next and thing he'll be running for Aiden Manero. <laughs> Kronk essentially epitomises that Melbourne Storm team, that great Melbourne Storm team, and... I know that people will come out and say that, yep, there was a salary cap at points in time that might murk uh, what occurred during his career, but he finished with four NRL premierships, two more than Jonathan Thurston, and nine of them from nine NRL grand finals. So he made the big dance a lot of times. In modern day football, it is unheard of to to be in that many grand finals. So he's got two Dahlia medals, so half of... Jonathan Thurston's, but when you're playing in a, a team game, you know, you've got to play a team game. And ultimately, in a team game, you want the, the team results. Yeah. So he's done it a lot. He played in that really great Storm team. And one of the things that really sticks in, in my head is um, the amount of times that he unfortunately was, well, Thurston was picked ahead of him in the halves and they didn't really get to play together for a long period of time for Australia. They did for Queensland and we saw what happened in Queensland. They won a lot of series. But the dominance ended in 2014. What happened in 2014? Kronk broke his arm in game one. And despite what people were saying and whether or not he was going to spend a long period of time out, he was back six weeks later and he played in game three and they absolutely romped New South Wales in a dead rubber. I don't know whether it was the dead rubber that, that did it, but so he won the two premierships with the Storm, the rest salary cap stripped, mm. which is fine. He finds love with Tara Rushton, and everyone's like, Cooper Cronk's going to retire, it's the end of his career, blah, blah, blah. So he does what he probably didn't want to do, and he ended up moving to the Roosters. And they go to the twenty. 18 grand final, he has to play the Storm. You know, he's good friends at the Storm and everyone's going, well, they're not going to win. And he had that injury that no one remembers the fact that he came into the game and I remember doing updates and it was Cooper Cronk's not going to play. He's probably 10% of playing. And I just remember the, the talk after the game and him being so relieved that they won that game and his scapula... Well, he'd actually fractured his scapula. And to go through that game and actually play the amount of time that he did against one of the great teams of the modern era in the Melbourne Storm and actually win that, but then to then be part of the team to then go and do it again against the Raiders the next year, who everyone wanted to win. Everyone wanted the Raiders to win. But to then go and do it again and become the first team to do and be part of the first team to win back-to-back since the Broncos side 
25 years prior or well beyond that 20 years prior however long it was for me it just shows that one everyone talks about smith slater cronk but smith and slater didn't win a premiership without cronk cronk then went off and you know he then won a premiership and he did it twice he didn't do it once he did it twice people talk about that great queensland team but as soon as cronk wasn't part of that queensland team they've struggled and since he's Stop playing State of Origin and struggle. Maybe it's coincided with the fact that Thurston doesn't play it, but then I think of that 2014 series where he broke his arm. It was like the entire air had been sucked out of Queensland's sails. And for so long, they've been so great. They still had a lot of the greats. You know, Greg Inglis still playing really good football. Cameron Smith still probably the height of his game. I mean, this is going back six years ago. He's still absolutely dominating. Thurston's still dominating. But New South Wales found a way to win, and I attribute it to the fact that Kronk was there. The Roosters, they start the season. No Kronk. They're 0-2. So maybe, just maybe, he could be the greatest player ever. Well, that was a pretty convincing argument. And he could make a comeback to save the Roosters after their maybe, maybe that's, the season. Maybe that's what happens. But I, I, I think of it more as if you're looking at rugby league as a team game, mm. I reckon you could probably put Kronk on even... Though he hasn't had a preseason, you could probably chuck him on any team. And Trent Robinson said after, after, and Trent Robinson's a pretty good coach. Yeah. And he said afterwards, you know, Cooper Cronk actually makes me a better coach. You know, I could probably pass better than he can to the the right, but he's probably one of the greatest minds that we've seen. And so Cooper just pips probably Laurie Daly for mine. Wow. Or Josh oh, Papali. <laughs> Sean Fenson. Sean Fenson. I think that's fantastic. Melvin Inga. I really it's, liked that. But, it, I mean, it was interesting when you were going through and you were saying, you know, talking about the Storm and how great they were and no mm. one, everyone seems to think of Cronk as the... The third person the, in the The third triad, wheel. Yeah. He's always been the third wheel. You know, in Queensland, he's sort of the third wheel, Thurston, Smith and Cronk or mm. Thurston, Smith, Slater, Cronk, the big four. It's sort of... And it's crazy to think that at one time there was Falau, Cronk, Smith all playing in the in the same team in a club team with Inglis like of course that team was going to be yeah but I mean here's the hard thing uh, and the really tough legacy for all those players is that uh, I seriously doubt that they went in there thinking they were breaking a salary cap and um, such was the connection and friendship between the three of them that I don't doubt that had they wanted to at earlier points they could have gone somewhere else and got more money but they didn't because they wanted to stay where they were because they were happy where they were which is a big factor in playing for Bellamy and Bellamy's obviously Bellamy's yeah we'll do coaches one day but Bellamy's Mm. has an amazing knack for not just like building up young players and we see it again and again with Melbourne where we think okay all their good players are gone and then there's these new players They, they find a way they find new people out of nowhere who fill roles amazingly and he has Bellamy has that gift. I mean it's a hard one and no one's no one's going to come back and and say that any of us are wrong because mm. you know you can have these debates until the cows come home people will say that you know the people that grew up in the 80s watching Wally Lewis play or people go through and the Raiders fans who will say that you know Mal Meninga was the the mm. greatest but did he win, you know, nine origins in a row? Can you compare that? Yeah. It's now a more professional league, so it becomes tougher to win, but then do you become part of a, a better team? It's And 
all those i mean we're not even talking about the great dragons teams that won 11 in a row and mm. players coming out of that you know but i do think you need to have seen them that was a big factor yeah. for mm. me I, I needed to have seen and that's these probably, players, yeah. And that's that's something for me because, you know, I was trying to put together uh, during the week some of, like, my favourite teams that I've watched play and people mm. go, well, you didn't have Chica Ferguson and, and those sort of players. And I said, well, I didn't actually see them play. Mm. You know, I love the, the Raiders and, and certain players, but I never really saw them play. I was fortunate enough that, Pop showed me enough DVDs that I've seen, you know, Mal and Laurie and Stewie Steve Stewart and Steve Jackson. <laughs> enough times I've seen that try, but that's all I've seen of Steve Jackson and that's the whole mm. thing. So I can't say that, you know, I know Steve Jackson as a player Yeah, because that's all I've ever seen of him. Well, and more to the point, I had I was fortunate to grow up in the era where I did see the Benny Eliases yeah. and Andrew Eddinghausen and, and who's that? Penrith player Greg Alexander. I saw yeah. a lot of those players coming through, and but I don't remember. Yeah. So mm. it, whereas Thurston now is, is still so fresh in my mind. Well, so. at least you sort of understand why they wheel out Benny Elias for comment <laughs> every now and then. Where I'm going, why are they getting this guy? Who is this man? Why Wayne are they Pierce? getting? And Wayne Pierce, who I do actually remember. I don't even know why I brought out Benny Elias over Wayne Pierce, but Wayne Pierce was oh blocker roach. Well, no, we didn't have any forwards. No, but see, it's a, I mean, it's a tough one because I feel like for me, if we were going to do forwards, and I think by the end of his career, and I'll probably say this was quite some comfort, even if he doesn't win another premiership, but uh, I think he was part of the Cowboys 2015, but Jason Tamalolo, mm. by far mm. and away, there is no okay. one I can think of that is just... It's mind-blowing. I, th- I think before the season was put on hiatus, he ran something like 375 metres in a game. Yeah. That's, just, that's what teams were running. Yeah. Teams themselves were running that, and he's doing that himself. It's just absolutely absurd. And his ability to, to make the metres to pass, to be able to score tries and, and do it all, I think Jason Taumalolo would probably be the best forward that we'll see. Ever. And that, I mean, that's a long way off the end of his career, but I think by the time it's said and done, he's probably the guy. Well, see, I go back a bit, and yet again, I'm choosing a Queenslander, <laughs> but Petro Sivanasiva, God, I love that man. Loved him when he played. Never, yeah. it was the brick, the dead set brick, and nothing. And he won with Penrith as well, didn't yeah. he? He won with the Broncos, and then he won with Penrith. He did. So, um, and I just loved him as a character. I loved him as a player, and I just so quietly spoken, isn't he? And I felt like he just, I liked him. Yep, that's mine. And now I've got to do favorite AFL players. I was going to say we could do favorite bricks, because <laughs> Glenn Lazarus hasn't rated a mention. Yet. Yeah, I know we fridge. didn't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> favorite fridge. Favorite but politician you know what? footballer. Yet again, each week I sit there and think we're going to be shorter no. this week, but we haven't been. So we no. better wrap up resporting, and we'll catch you next week when we talk about our favorite AFL player from Eddie. And we're going to change, shake up a whole lot of sports from the sounds of things as well. Anything else? Maybe I'll bring my favorite cricketer next week. <laughs> One Ooh. thing at a time, Brent. That's yeah. tempting. No, because I've already said my AFL play. Maybe yeah. I'll bring yeah, my okay. second favourite AFL player. Yeah. Well, see, my favourite AFL player is your favourite play- AFL player. So we'd, I'd be- we'll have to pick our second What if we pick so. Simon O'Donnell and he's both? Oh. <gasps> favourite player with one lung. A player. Favourite. <laughs> favourite player missing a kidney, Tom Lonergan. Um, oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> Do we have to go with all missing bits and we'll work our way through the body? Oh, right. cross coder would be an interesting one. Oh. Dual sport athlete. I, mine is not Israel Folau, just no. so you know. <laughs> oh, my Does it mind. rhyme with... Uh, no. <laughs> oh, what's that? <laughs> See you next week. See you next week. <laughs>